Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's a special episode bringing you reaction to the news of the ban of Sandro Tonari from football for 10 months. That's right, the Italian midfielder's ban has been confirmed after he admitted illegal betting offences while playing in Italy. The Italian Football Federation has confirmed the ban and Tonari will not be allowed to play competitively for either Newcastle United or Italy until August 2024. The length of the bar means Tonari will miss out on Euro 2024 should Italy qualify. I imagine must have joined by Aaron Stokes. It's the news, Aaron, that we expected to come. There was always a bit of debate about how long the ban could be. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Three years um, was touted had uh, Tonari not been so open and honest about his addiction and what went on. Before I get your view on it, we'll read the statement from the Italian Football Federation President Gabriele Gavina, who told Sky Sports Italia that an agreement has been reached between the federal prosecutor and Sandro Tonali. The plea agreement is for 18 months, of which eight months is rehabilitation, which involves therapeutic activity and making at least 16 public appearances. The rules can call for a certain number of years of suspension, but the plea bargain and circumstances have been taken into consideration and the players' collaboration went above and beyond. Therefore, we must continue to respect the rules we have established for ourselves. Now, 10 months, as we said, it could have been a lot worse. What is your initial reaction to the news? Uh, my initial reaction is that, obviously for the player, obviously for Newcastle United, it's a huge blow. Um, not what they expected when they spent £55 million on them in the summer. However, from my personal point of view, I think it's very, very lenient. When it came out last week that we'd heard that Sandra Tonali had been betting on matches that he was playing in, I was thinking, OK, we're now potentially in the territory of a of a three-year ban, which would mean what? Probably his contract being ripped up at Newcastle United. Um, so look, I think it's lenient. I think ten months with with eight months further rehabilitation is um, quite a, a result for Newcastle United. I know they won't see it like that. I'm sure a lot of fans are probably saying it's not. But I think, given on what he's been accused of betting on, and you know how bad it could have been, personally, I think you know Newcastle and Tenali have maybe got away with one a little bit. Now, there's lots of questions about the punishment being handed down. Will these public appearances be able to be held? In England, will he have to go back to Italy to do them? We suspect public appearances means probably going into schools and colleges or football academies and just explaining the pitfalls um, of of gambling, really. Yeah, I think I think a lot of those um, are, are going to be held in Italy, um, given that it's the Italian Federation that's given out the ban. But as you say, it will mean going into schools and colleges and stuff like that. It's also obviously going to mean that he has to you know, seek treatment for the addiction, which he's already started. You know, one thing I think we can be very clear about is that this ban would not be 10 months if he hadn't, one, agreed to that, two, cooperated fully as uh, Gravina, the Italian FA chief, said he's gone above and beyond so far. And I think more players will follow suit. I mean, there's talk in Italy that around 40 current and former Serie A players are going to be implicated in this. A few wrongly implicated, as it seems, over the weekend. Um, but this looks like it could be an epidemic and I think we're going to see a lot of bans handed out. But a lot of people now cooperate. And as Tonali's done, he's held his hands up and said, look, I've got an addiction, I'll seek help. And as Eddie Howe said, the hardest part is probably ahead, but it's good that you know he's got ahead of it and, and now he can look forward. Yeah, this is obviously for many people who face these kind of addictions, it's probably the first step towards getting that actual help. So as you say, he's been open and honest about what he's done. He obviously wants to seek help. 
I'm just wondering. I mean, it's going to be difficult for him because he's he, he's not playing football for ten months. Do you think he'll remain on on Tyneside, or do you think he'll go back to Whitley to to seek the help? No, I think it'll be on Tyneside. I think one thing that's a huge positive um, for Newcastle United, and it's something that again adds to my argument that the ban is extremely lenient is the fact that he's probably going to be allowed to train with Newcastle United. Something that wasn't allowed um, with Ivan Tony's ban for the first four months of his eight-month suspension. I mean, that is huge. I mean, yes, Sandra Tonali's got a very, very difficult battle ahead of him overcoming this illness, but also, you know, that would be you know, made extremely harder if he wasn't allowed to train or be around the training site or with his players. You've seen the support that the fans have given. You've seen the support that Eddie Howe and the players have given him in recent days. The fact that he's going to be in and around that environment, I think, is a huge benefit for him and the club. And I wrote about this earlier, and when Alexander Rizak got injured when he first came to the club, something really struck me with what Eddie Howe said. Alexander Rizak's facing four months out, Big record signing, big blow for Newcastle. And Eddie Howe said, well, you know what, actually, let's take the positives from it. It means he can get up to speed with his teammates, he can get him, you know, up to date with the culture and he can settle in properly. And look, I'm not saying you know, it's a positive that Sam Gennaro's been banned, but if you want to find any glimpse of it, he's going to have a full season now, behind the scenes, no pressure, to get up to speed with his teammates, you know, to fully integrate with British culture. It must have been a huge change from over the summer. And I think that's maybe one positive Eddie Howe will take. Um, I don't know whether I'm just clutching at straws a bit there. When well, Newcastle United legend Alan Shearer on, on BBC Five Live said, in his opinion, it would be really difficult for Tenali to remain living in England while he's banned from playing. But the fact that we think he's going to be allowed to train might make it a little bit easier because mm-hmm. I have to be honest, if you're Ivan Tony and you're watching all this play out, you're going to be mightily, mightily miffed aren't you yeah absolutely and, and if I'm completely honest I think if Sandra Tonali had been you know under investigation in England things would be very different I mean this Italy who have got such hardline strict rules on gambling and especially gambling and football seem to you know essentially write off most of the sentence as long as you cooperate now I mean there was talk two weeks ago when this first started rumbling that Sandra Tonali was going to be banned for three years all of a sudden, we're now seeing 10 months. Nicolo Fagioli from Juventus has managed to get his down to seven months. The likes of Ivan Tony and Harry Toffolo, who have been you know, penalised for these gambling crimes in the UK, must be thinking, you know, I wish those Italian rules had been in place with the, with the, with the English FA. Because we mentioned on the podcast on Monday, I still can't get my head around what good it does banning the player from training. Now, as we see, we understand Tanali will be uh, allowed to train and play in, in friendlies and Again, that reframes your point that he's he, it's quite a lenient ban in in that sense, um, because if he wasn't allowed to train and he wasn't allowed to play in the friendlies, you're leaving him with absolutely nothing. So mm-hmm. in a way, you kind of may you know how are you filling that void of the, of the gambling addiction if you're taking away the other thing that kind of he was doing day in day out. So it is it is excellent news. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of the support from Newcastle United, what do you think they will do? Next, they've learned the ban. They've obviously had the arm of um, support around him. But what happens next for Newcastle United? Look, I think we've seen in recent days, I spoke about it on the podcast on Monday but that we did. I thought Eddie Howe spoke very, very well on this topic uh, You know, in the last couple of weeks. I think the support that he showed against Crystal Palace, he's, you know, he's thrown Sandro Tonali in the last two games, even though 
you know, other managers might have kept them out the spotlight. I think you only have to look at the likes of Kieran Trippier and what all the players and, and coach and staff did during that game against Palace to show that he's in really good hands. Very, very good if he manages to stay in that environment rather than, as you say, going back to Italy with no job essentially to go to. Um, they've just, you know, hired a, a brand new head of psychology behind the, the scenes. You know, is that just coincidental the timing or you know have they brought that in for Sandro Tonali I mean I can't remember the guy's name that they brought in but he's worked with England he's worked with Wales he's got a lot of experience a lot of key England players trust him um, he will you know be a very very good helping hand for Sandro Tonali um, and I think it just goes back to what Eddie Howe said at the weekend that support that he got last night and against Crystal Palace will do him the world of good he knows that when he comes back he's got a huge part to play he'll only be 24 when he comes back you know it's not the end of the world but I think he's in good hands at Newcastle whether it's the legendary lionesses grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues women's football news has it all covered a brand new monthly magazine packed with news interviews and expert opinion don't miss women's football news pick up a copy today from participating retailers women's football is here to stay and so are we how easy do you think it will be for him though to focus on the task in hand i.e training to such a high level as if you were going to start on the Saturday but actually you know you can't because I don't know if I'd struggle with that I mean I'd welcome the fact I'll be able to train but what's the end what's the end game he, he, does he have a little not a point to prove does he have a you know does he need to sort of repay that faith that Eddie Howe and the players are showing in him you know by making sure he isn't slacking off. I'm sure he won't, by the way. The characters that you've got in that dressing room will, you know, they won't allow it anyway. The likes of Jamal Lascelles and Kieran Trippier, if he does start to step a line. And I think when, you know, what struck me was when we spoke to him in the San Siro, you know, albeit we were listening to his answers in Italian and getting them translated, but he spoke very, very well for a 23-year-old. He looks like he's got a very good head on his shoulders. You know, yes, he's made a, a huge mistake, but as I said earlier, it's an illness and, you know, it's like telling an alcoholic not to drink. It's like telling a drug addict not to take a drug. It's it's a lot more complex than people just having to, you know, wanting a bet and, and being able to stop at will. It, it's not that simple. So, it, look, it's going to be a very, very difficult year for him, you know, personally, but he's taking the right steps. I think having his mind clear of the addiction as well is going to be a huge help. I mean, that must have been weighing him down, especially when he started to know that things were probably falling in. When he starts hearing about other players getting investigated, it must have taken its toll on him. Do you think the fact that he won't be playing competitive football week in, week out will maybe aid the fight against his addiction? Yeah, potentially. I think I think, you know, taking him out of that environment where you, you know you, you maybe have the triggers. You know, look, I can't, I can't really speak for it because I don't know what's going on in his head and I don't know why he, he was gambling. He's already been seeing a therapist in Italy, which is a very good start. As I've just mentioned, Newcastle have now got a very good, you know group of backroom staff who can help with the sort of personal side of the game um, and look it'll be it'll be very very hard for him you know you're taking a, a footballer out of his job for a year it's going to be massively hard but it needs to be done and he needs to be punished and he'll take it and he'll learn from it yeah I mean certainly you know he, he does need to serve the punishment because he broke the rules the rules he was he was well aware of with the fact he can train um, you know he can keep himself fit, and then he can hit the ground running when this ban is 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 done and dusted. Um, does it change Newcastle's priority for January? Do you think? Now, listeners to the podcast know 
that number six has is, is always been top of my list regardless, um, along with that third striker, but that's another uh, subject for another episode, episode later in the week. Uh, and now there's plenty of talk about having to bring in a, a replacement. Calvin Phillips is the man linked consistently. Does it now become a priority to fill Sandra Tonali's position? Yeah, I think absolutely it does. I think you look at that midfield now, look, Joe Willock coming back is huge, but I think, he, you know, even Eddie Howard admitted last night he's probably thrown him in a lot sooner than he would have wanted to. Um, Elliot Anderson now out, Louis Miley, you know, is he going to play week in, week out? I think they do need, I mean, you know, you've been banging the drum for a six. This surely, for you, now increases the need to not find only a six, but, a, you know, maybe an eight to come in. So what I will say is, though, that it's going to be very tricky because... You know, if you're bringing someone in purely with the aim of replacing Tonali temporarily, you've got to find a player that wants to come. You've got to find a team that are probably going to have to do a loan deal. You know, there's got to be a lot of factors that fall into place. Well, listeners and viewers, sit down because you might be surprised at my next sentence. I would go for Calvin Phillips in this instance because I think you could get him on loan and not worry about having to pay a fee in the summer. Maybe you could put it in, but it's not something that has to happen in the summer. Bring him in. And he could fill, uh, fill a gap, fill a space, and then you don't have to worry about him being here permanently. You know, come come next season. It's you're right. It is going to be difficult to sell because you know that you have a 55 million pound player waiting to come back in August. You have, as you've mentioned there, Lewis Miley potentially stepping up. Elliot Anderson just getting better every day. Joe Linton, Bruno Longstaff, you know, are on form. Joe Willick as well coming back to the fold. So it is going to be difficult to to persuade someone to come to Newcastle United. But then I guess. You know, what's to say it can't be someone who can disrupt the entire midfield and say, actually, I'm not just replacing Sandro Tonali. I'm in there to replace whether it be Bruno, Longstaff or Jolinton. And I'm not here just to make up the numbers. Well, I mean, you know, fans and yourself have been calling for a six, you know, to do that anyway. You know, they think that someone needs to come in and instantly walk in that team. You know, I maybe don't subscribe to that as much as I did in the summer. I think, you know... It's noticeable that that talk has gone a little bit quiet since Newcastle have started winning again and Bruno's um, performing. But again, that's maybe for another episode. But I just think the need for a midfielder, whether it's a six or an eight, has certainly increased. Um, and I think, you know, from a selfish point of view, it's probably good that this has happened now at the end of October because Newcastle United have got two months before the January window opens. Eddie Howe was quizzed on it on Saturday and said, oh, it's far too early to be looking at January. Come on, Eddie. Oh, They're Eddie. definitely looking at January behind the scenes and saying, right, we need to get someone in. We need to get it done ASAP. They would be looking at January the moment the uh, the summer window <laughs> closed. But I, I mean, from that point of view, yes, it's a good thing it's happened now because it gives you time to plan. But also, it's a horrible time for it to happen because mm. suddenly Newcastle's squad depth is now being tested with injuries they picked up in the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund. Joe Linton obviously has just come back, but you are, you know, you missing Sandra Tonali with, especially with Earl Anderson's back injury now Lewis Miley picking up a, um, a, an illness as well You know, suddenly the numbers in the centre of the park don't look as, as good as they were this time last month no they, 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 they absolutely don't and as I said I think you know Eddie Howe would have probably liked the luxury to maybe ease Joe Willock back into the first team a little bit um, you know uh, but he's, I mean, he yeah, didn't have the option. He didn't have the option last injured. night, exactly. And I, I think we probably wouldn't have seen Joe Willock last night if Anderson had been fit. I don't think there's any sort of secret around that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it, look, it's again, it's probably for another episode, but you've just got to look at the attack now. And I don't want to bring up that old debate that we keep having about a third-choice striker. 
But, you know, with Jacob Murphy and Harvey Barnes and Alexander Rizak and Elliot Anson all out, it isn't just the midfield looking. So, you know, five games to come for the international break, four of those away, two of them in different cups, one of them in Europe. It's going to be a really testing period. There's going to be some tired players. I just want to read uh, a couple of quotes from the Big Step a campaign to end all gambling, advertising and sponsorship in football part of the Gambling with Lives, which is a charity set up by families bereaved by gambling-related suicide. Um, and the quotes surround the uh, ban of Tenali and it's um, a tribute, like I say, to that charity. Footballers are human, and if they are suffering from addiction, they deserve empathy and support, not lengthy bans. Every football game is wall-to-wall with gambling ads, not just across shirts, but around stadiums and related media content. Sending someone addicted to gambling in this environment is likely is like sending an alcoholic to work in a pub. If you force young footballers to endorse addictive products, then don't be surprised if they use them. Ending all gambling, advertising and sponsorship in football, including all parts of the shirt and in every stadium, will help to prevent harm to those on and off the pitch. Now, I actually agree with quite a lot with that statement because I do... I, I do question anyone's surprise when players end up down this road when and and spectators because it is everywhere advertising is absolutely everywhere now we know there's been some work on withdrawing gambling sponsorship from the front of match day shirts by the end of 2025 2026 but I'm, I'm i'm led to believe it can still uh be on 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 the shirt and stuff so it's not totally gone it's just gone from the center of the shirt but you're still gonna have advertising boards you're still gonna have TV adverts in between the coverage. It's something needs needs to be done, not just to protect the footballers, but also you know fans and supporters as well. Absolutely, I think you know I, I actually spoke to the Big Step last week for a piece I did, and, and the, one of the quotes they gave me, which I thought really hit the nail on the head, was Tonali when he returns will be played in a stadium surrounded by thousands of adverts for a thing that is currently destroying his life, and that is not fair. And and it is. It's like. You know, the big thing about when Ivan Tony got banned was that he'd, you know, was the top scorer of the season before in the Skybet Championship and he was playing with Hollywood bets on his, you know, front of shirt sponsor. It, it is now, you know, unavoidable in the game. And yes, the Premier League and British football are trying to take steps to, you know, lessen the sort of how much we see and I know adverts at half time and whatever have been banned, but there needs to be a serious wake up call because how many players now are we seeing getting caught up in this but a lot more than we used to but the cynics would say you have to show some restraint now it's easy for them to say that and it's easy for us to ask this question when we've not gone down a road of addiction but what would you say to those who say well okay I watch an advert for I don't know a, 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 a yogurt I'm not going to go out and you know buy all the yogurts off the shelf but it but I, I know I know the point but it just isn't isn't as simple as that it's about little triggers and you know I think it was something that we were talking about a fair few days ago, and it's like, this is just a very niche example, but if you've had a football bet on the first half and it hasn't come in at half-time, you're seeing adverts will you know, put this on to win this for Harry Kane to score. You know, it's promoting a really, really, you know, this unhealthy reliance that you can't now watch football without having a bet on it. It shouldn't be like that. Um, but look, it's a very, very complex issue. Anybody that I would say that says, well, you know, it's such an easy thing to stop, it, it really isn't. You know, as I said, tell an alcoholic to stop having a drink, tell a drug addict to stop taking drugs. It just doesn't work like that. And I think what I will say is that I, I'm just pleased for Tonali personally that he's 
you know, now seeking the help, he's started the rehab and, and hopefully personally and mentally he's getting better. You know, take the football away from it. He's a very young lad in a new country and I'm glad that he's that he's seeking help. We wish him all the best to get the better of this addiction. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast, a special episode on the news of Sandra Snarley's ban from football. He will not be playing football until August 2024 after admitting illegal betting while playing in Italy. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you're following through. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news.